Welcome to another episode of React Roundup. My name is TJ Van Toll, and with me on the panel today is Thomas Alot. Hello. And our guest for today is Alex Kempton. Alex, why don't you Hello. tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, why you're famous? <laughs> Definitely not famous. That would be nice. Oh, yeah, my name is Alex Kempton. You have 207 followers on Twitter, so. <laughs> Let's yeah, that's is that. I, I, I mean, I don't even. Yeah, I think I don't know where they came from. To be honest, <laughs> I happen uh, to be one of them. I didn't even know. Oh, great, cool. Is that just now? <laughs> no, I, I, I had already followed you. I don't know when oh, or how. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, my name is Alex Kempton. Uh, I'm the creator of Hedron App. It's an app made in React. Uh, it's a tool for doing live visual shows in venues, or maybe online now, I'm doing live visual shows uh, using JavaScript, using WebGL and um, the 3.js library. Are you freelancing or moonlining? Or maybe you've thought about going out on your own. Every week, we have a group of developers at various stages of the freelancing journey on The Freelancer Show to talk about becoming better at freelancing. We also bring in experts to talk about marketing, SEO, and delivering high quality to clients. So if you're interested in going freelance or you are freelance, check it out at freelancershow.com. That's awesome. That, that reminds me of, you ever play with Quartz Composer or uh, Vuo? I know about Quartz Composer, but no, I never played with it. Um, it's kind of, I, I, know, I, remember, I remember knowing about it a while back and then Apple dropping support for it or something. Yeah. And there was a big hoo-ha about that. But I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know too much about it, to be honest. I think it was quite big not so long ago, but it's kind of fallen out of use. Yeah. I don't know how Vuo is doing, but they're kind of like the spiritual successor okay. to Quartz Composer. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Is it is it is it uh, like a framework for coding, or is it got a graphical interface, or it's like it kind of fits that like VJ niche of yeah. like visual programming for doing live video yeah, and audio yeah. stuff. Yes. So these days, like the big the big the big ones that are kind of coming in in that whole realm is uh, Touch Designer. There's another one called Smode, and there's another one called Notch. And they're the kind of big three that everyone's talking about at the moment in terms of like doing like uh, like live visuals, generative visuals and stuff. And they're all kind of like you can code in them, but they all have a, a like a graphical kind of visual coding style as well. Um, and I've kind of tinkered with a few of them, but I because I'm making my own software, I just use that instead. And it's kind of <laughs> yeah. That so I'm curious, can you paint a picture for me just so like I have a visual in my head of what this looks like? So yeah. for like a live performance. So if I came to one of these performances, you know, before mm. the world ended, right? And I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm seeing, what am I actually seeing? Are you playing instruments with this sort of like, sort of going in the background? Like wh what am I seeing? Yeah, that's, a, that's probably a great place to start, to be honest, um, before I even talk about the software itself. So, I mean, I might as well just do it from my personal experience. I mean, other people are using this software in their own way, but if you came to a gig that I'd, I'd be part of, and that would almost always be with the Audio Visual Act I'm part of, they're called Polyop. So that'd be like, we're like a band in some ways, but all the instruments are like for electronic music. So there'd be like synthesizers, like a big keyboard synthesizer, but also a bunch of sequences and stuff. So a lot of blinking flashing lights, uh, and, that, and the, the musicians don't use any uh, laptops at all. They're all doing it with like pure like hardware, you know, like I don't know a better term for it, but no, no software in the sense. Uh, and then, then I, I do have a laptop, I'm running Hedron and that, that's, that's something I'm controlling using MIDI controllers as well. So I'm kind of, I've got my own hardware to control stuff. So lots of knobs and dials and buttons and stuff. Maybe occasionally having to reach for the mouse if I want to improvise something quickly. But the whole thing's live, so there's no, 
there's no video content. It's all it's all being generated live from my machine, uh, kind of like you know, like a video game would be. We we've got a, we've got a rehearsed hour long show, so you know you're seeing eight or so songs over the hour, maybe a few more than that. And it kind of, I mean, the show that I, I use it for is quite quite narrative based in the sense that it kind of has some weird abstract story. It follows a uh, like a robot god flying through space who comes across a tribe of aliens who give him a drug that makes him trip out and it's the classic of, story right like, goes from there. yeah it kind of goes from there and then, yeah yeah it sounds so, like it sounds awesome uh, <laughs> it's good fun it's, it's a good it's a really it's good fun we've been doing this show for quite a while now it's like evolved over the last five years or so and it's really got to a good point. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the, the reason I made the software was just purely to, to facilitate this. So I wasn't really doing, like I wasn't doing any uh, like audiovisual shows or anything like that before I kind of started this project with the main musician in the group called Jack. Uh, there's like four of us in the group now, uh, but people come and go and stuff. But like we started as a kind of duo and kind of slowly grew it. But yeah, I met, met Jack and at the time I was like tinkering with like Canvas doing like 2D stuff, like silly little things, just like, because up until then I'd just been doing straightforward web design, web development, you know, and I'd like got, got to grips with JavaScript and then was like, oh, you can do some visual stuff, that's fun. And I used to make a lot of flash animations as a kid. I don't know if you remember the old oh, yeah, days of yeah. Macromedia Flash. Good time. So yeah, I was, I was quite big on that for a while. So it was really nice to get back to kind of doing animated stuff. And at first it was just like moving some balls around on a 2D canvas. And like, kind of like trying around with weird little things, and then got talking to Jack, who's like really into making electronic music. And we, the, the original idea was just to sort of make a like a website with just some kind of fun interactive thing that you could click around, and he'd do some sound design, music design for it, and then I'd do some of the interactive visual element, and we'd make some cool trippy thing for online. But before we knew it, we just sort of it sort of evolved into something else. And then we started doing like house parties where I had like Chrome open full screen with different tabs. And I'd like be switching between the tabs, like projecting up and, and like that. And it would, it would react to the music because that was the fun part, right? It was like, oh, you can actually like take the audio in, analyze the sound waves and apply different bands of frequencies to different elements on the page and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah. So that's, so that, and then it started off as just this crappy, web page basically running locally it was actually like the back end was php because i didn't really know i didn't really know i was just it's just what i knew so i had like some map server running and just like a few different pages and i just switched between them yeah and then like and then many iterations later we're now here like with a, with a, like a proper what i'd consider to like be a more mature piece of software created in react because i had some one version before that which worked kind of okay but I realized that if I wanted to make this thing open source, which I definitely did, I needed to use a library that was more familiar to other people if I wanted anyone to contribute um, and for it to just to be scalable, you know, because it was just a weird hacky mess. Yeah, that, that, point. that brings in like the, what I was about to ask is like, why, uh, why React? How did you get into the React world and how is that useful here? And mm -hmm. like, what are you using React for and what are you not using React for? Yeah, good question. I mean, I chose. I think I just chose React because it just seemed like you know the one to choose. I, I hadn't up until then. I hadn't really done any of that sort of stuff. I was definitely like big on kind of. I, I was just doing jQuery up until that point. I think I don't. It feels weird to say that now, but I'm. 
I'm pretty sure up until I mean yeah. I'd, I'd come from doing a lot of like PHP based stuff where most of the controller stuff was all happening on the server anyway so I guess yeah I was just yeah I guess I was still doing jQuery at that point and then uh, I knew that I needed I knew I needed to yeah go for something a bit more mature because up until then the thing I'd made to do shows with worked but it was getting every time I wanted to add a new feature it was just getting more and more convoluted and I'm just like you know I'd spent weeks putting my hair out just trying to put one new thing in and I knew that I, I didn't know why it was a good reason but I knew that using some sort of framework would have advantages because why else would why why would people be using it otherwise so I just thought well I'll choose react and I'll just go with it and uh, so I, I kind of did one pass on it using react and flux at the time and that was okay. And then I found out about Redux and I watched all the Dan Abramov's videos and was like, that blew my mind. So then I was like, okay, I've got to start again now. So I went over again. And yeah, so I, and in terms of how it's used, so I'm using, it, I'm using React for all the interface stuff. So the, the way the software works is, yeah, I should probably, before going to that, I should probably explain kind of how the software works because it's not, it might not be how you're picturing it. Um, yeah, so I guess for uh, for all the people just listening to this, can you just like describe yeah. what it looks like? Like yeah, what are yeah, the main yeah. sections so, of the UI? Yeah, so so the way the way it what it's it's purely used for, for well, it's mostly used for, for, for performing. So in terms of creating content for it, you still have to write code. And this is kind of like the main thing that I'd need to explain first is you have this concept of what I'm calling sketches, it's borrowed from the whole processing stuff i don't know if you know about processing but they, they they call their they it's for making like cool visual things they every everything you make in there is called a sketch so i'm using this word sketch so you create a sketch in javascript it's like a class basically uh, and it has like an animate method that's like running every frame and each time that animate method is run it also passes down into the animate method it passes down a bunch of parameters which you define in a JSON file. And then, what you, so you make the sketch, let's just think it's like really simple, like a spinning cube, but you can change the speed of it and the size of it and maybe the color of it. And those things are sort of like parameters that get passed in every frame. And it's those parameters that you're controlling in, in the GUI. So the, in the UI, it's all those kind of parameters that you're controlling. So you, you obviously see your output and that can be sent to a monitor or, or sorry, to a projector or anything. So you can kind of have that up on a big projector and then you're seeing like in the corner, you're seeing a little, um, a little version of the main screen. But then you're seeing all your parameters, like, you know, like the size of the cube, this, this, uh, the spin speed of the cube, like the rotation speed of the cube. And all of these things are like sliders that you can move with your mouse, which is fine. But you can also assign it to many different things. So I could like, this, like the size of the cube, I could click on, click on that little slider, a little drop-down thing appears, and I can say, right, I actually want to assign this to one of my MIDI controls. So then I like click that, click MIDI learn, a thing comes up saying I'm now learning. And then when I turn that MIDI knob, it then instantly maps it to that. So now I can, and using my MIDI control, for, a control so. for people who have no idea what MIDI is, what is that? Okay, yeah. So MIDI is a very old protocol that we, that's, that's used for different in, uh, electronic instruments to talk to each other. So you might or have like a physical instruments that in has no keyboard physical attached. space. Yeah. Well, so, so MIDI itself is a MIDI, MIDI itself is a protocol, but you have a device that uh, can send MIDI. So I could have a, it, the, the sort of typical usage of it would be, I have a synthesizer that has no keyboard on it, but then I have a MIDI keyboard 
And the MIDI keyboard doesn't make any sound. It just sends like note information. So it okay. just sends like, this is an A note, B note, C note, whatever. And when that, that, that data then sends over to the, to the synthesizer, which here's the MIDI information and then plays the note that, you're, that it should play. But it also has, as well as like note information, it also has like, like sliding parameter information. So you can have like a knob or a slider and that's sending a value between zero and one, two, seven, depending on where the slider is. I'm also so you yeah. could be like hitting keys and sliding the slider to do whatever. And yeah, and those are, they're basically like, go. I was just saying, I'm curious, what the, what's the specific technology in place that actually makes that connection? Like, is there some firmware or like, because that seems a little bit like magic to have like a physical thing. And then somehow you're telling like your React app to like yeah. sync those two up. Like, is there some piece of technology in the middle there that's making that like is it integrating with the os and then that's talking to your app or how is all of that working well well the the modern midi devices are usb out so they the, i think a lot of that kind of protocol stuff's happening on the device where it's like just how a mouse would be able to say i'm a pointer device i'm pointing up i'm pointing left i'm pointing right so it, like it, so it just appears as a device on your machine I wouldn't know the exact like low level kind of uh, what's going on there, but the, the once it gets to Hedron, it, it's I'm using the MIDI the MIDI API, so that's a web web API that you can you oh. can you can load up. Wow. Yeah, any web page yeah. can listen to MIDI now. Yeah. So, what? Since uh, when? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, it's for a long time actually. Yeah, it's, huh. it's one of the one of the cool APIs that's been around for a while. Uh, and so funny enough, like I'm, I'm using Electron to package up this whole app, but I'm mostly using all just native web APIs. I really should make, make the effort to convert it into a kind of web version as well, which I, I'm always thinking and talking about with other people, but it hasn't happened yet. Because really the whole thing could just run quite easily on a, on a web page as well as it being a packaged Electron app. So yeah, going back to where we were then. So yeah, I've got this like physical device and it has loads of buttons and knobs and sliders on it. I actually have like three different devices because the show is quite complicated. And yeah, and I can kind of like, in some ways I describe it as like virtual puppetry because a lot of uh, the show has like 3D models that I've made in Blender and rigged up. And I can kind of like change expressions and all sorts of dance moves and stuff. Like I can have like characters dancing and I can kind of like actually like interpolate between two different dance moves using like a slider so like I can, okay like, that's cool it's really yeah yeah it's really fun to just play around with all that stuff yeah so that, and it's much nicer to have this in hardware and it takes a bit of work before the show to like map everything to like the correct parameters in the show because it's like i mean the show can be split up into scenes and the scenes are split up into sketches and the sketches can overlay in the same scene so you yeah, they can be quite complicated, like like hundreds and hundreds of different parameters. Uh, I won't map them all, but yeah, like a bunch of. And then obviously you can save the files. So like I, I do all this before the show, like the weeks, the few days building up to the show, I'll prepare it all, and then um, when when it's ready to go, like I've got this kind of like system that I've created for this show, and then I can kind of like do what I want with it. Have fun like that. I'm still sort of shocked that there's yeah. a MIDI actual web API. Like I've spent the yeah, last yeah. like minute Googling this because this is blowing my mind, but yeah, it exists. And it looks like <laughs> it's uh, uh, so it looks like it's supported in Chrome, some mobile browsers, uh, not Safari or Firefox yeah. yet. So does that mean like, uh, is the app like a, do you mostly use it in like desktop Chrome then when you're actually running your shows? Yes. So I'm, I'm running it, I'm packaging it up into Electron. I don't know if you, do you oh, guys know Electron? Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it might be quickly yeah. worth explaining just for 
listeners. Yeah. So Electron is a way to um, take your web project or create any kind of project using web technologies, uh, like, you know, using React or JavaScript or any, any library you want. And you can package it up so it just basically runs a desktop, desktop app. Um, the way it works is it's essentially running a Chrome instance, like a Chromium instance, I think it is. Uh, it's running that, but it does it in a way that it's just your app running. You still have access to all the dev tools and all that kind of stuff for development. But the nice part about it is it integrates in Node as well. So you then have access to all the Node libraries too. So you have more native control, like you can do more stuff with the file system. Uh, there's a few like windowing stuff that I make use of. So like when the, when the, when Hedron's running, when you're doing a show, you've got your window, but you've also got the window that everyone else is looking at, which is a big full screen one. Just like a really nice thing where you wouldn't be able to do this normally, but I can take a window, I can tell it where to go on the desktop, i.e. like my second monitor, and I can automatically maximize it. And you oh, wouldn't have that deal. kind of control with the web. Yeah, so little things like that that otherwise would be quite clunky and difficult to do. But the majority of the work is it could run on any Chrome tab, basically. Like it, it, the majority of the functionality is already there. I mean, the, the main, the big main one that it, that it would, wouldn't work or would be kind of weird, I don't think you'd be able to do it anymore, is I'm pulling in scripts from your machine and I'm evaluating those scripts. So this is like a big security issue, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Do that on a, a web page. And I, and I actually have to run the, I have to actually run Electron, this packaging system. I have to run it in this sort of like non-safe mode that allows me to evaluate scripts on, on your computer because, yeah, it's not like if, if, if someone made something malicious, they could they could do some some slightly dodgy things so yeah that's the kind of that's the other reason why it's useful is you're able to pull in your own your own kind of yeah scripts basically um that's quite important um otherwise yeah otherwise you'd have to compile it every time basically with all your kind of content packaged up and i i wanted this to be available to people that didn't want to have to go through all that kind of more techie stuff because it has library load this is the nice thing it has lots of little quite little nice things where you can be kind of like hot reloads and all this kind of stuff so it's quite a nice development uh, environment for people to play around and i've even made it now so that you don't even really have to if you're running your own scripts you yeah you don't even have to like install any packages or anything you can just start writing javascript basically it works which is nice yeah that's huge like i i think that's really the killer app or the killer feature of web tech in general is just like the the immediacy it, yeah. it feels like like a performance with your environment, whereas something like um, mobile development, like native mobile development, at least mm. back when I was doing it a few years ago, writing Java or Objective-C, like who uses those anymore? Mm. But still, it's like you'd have to wait minutes to see your changes on your device and then like you just yeah. can't get into flow in that mode. And if you're trying to do something as as live and interactive as this, of like mapping parameters yeah. from live music onto some kind of, crazy visual stuff like you need that immediacy yeah for sure it definitely helps from a creative perspective uh, but the nice thing is like once you've mapped those parameters like, this is a nice thing about this is once you've mapped those parameters you're then like rather than changing values like you know like you might have all these sorts of like color options and all these sorts of little things you want to play around with and once you've mapped those values to even just to the slider of your mouse all of a sudden, you, you're not writing as much code anymore, which is, is quite nice too. And I kind of taken this sort of paradigm and this methodology into my kind of commercial work. So like if I'm doing some kind of 
cool visual thing to someone else, uh, like it might be some interesting thing on a homepage or something like that, then I'll often kind of give them all those controls, uh, not using Hedron, I actually still use that GUI. Do you know that GUI? Do you know about this slide? No, I don't have uh, any idea what you're talking about. No. So this is another thing. This is another, for anyone who knows what that GUI is, a good, a good uh, description of Hedron is that GUI on steroids. Um, that's kind of so that GUI for people who don't know what that GUI is it's funny that you guys don't know this because to me this is how do I google this are you saying that or that sorry D-A-T dot GUI I think it's spelled like that I don't know if there's a space I think it might be trendy like that (laughs) it's like basically a way of getting it's been around for a long time it's a way of just um, mucking around with parameters of your your little creation you've made using JavaScript you know like whether it's WebGL or Canvas or whatever and let's say you've got loads of different things like speeds of like balls flying around or whatever you've made. Like you might have made a simulation of cars oh, crashing wow. into each other and you're, you're changing the friction or the gravity or whatever. But you can like, you can just assign a bunch of variables in your JavaScript file to this GUI and it makes this, automatically makes this GUI and puts it in the top corner of your screen. And like, I, I, if, you've ever looked at the, if you've ever looked at the 3JS examples page, if you've ever looked on there, yeah. In the corner, that's that GUI. Oh, interesting. The little blue bars. You'd have seen it before, yeah. I'm sure. If you've ever seen, if you've ever just played around with these kind of like these kind of tools, like any like cool web thing mm-hmm. someone's made and everyone shared on Twitter, usually they're using that GUI to kind of uh, allow you to tinker with stuff and play around. Does that make sense? Yes. Is that a good explanation of that GUI? I don't know. It's just it's interesting to me because uh, like I'm kind of. The big part of my world in JavaScript and WebGL and all this kind of stuff is, is, is kind of away from a lot of the more straightforward app development, web app stuff. And so it's like, I still see that GUI as, like, as familiar as something like React in some kind of strange way, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's interesting uh, hearing it from people that don't, don't know about it. It's, it's cool to kind of share this stuff. Yeah, it, it's fascinating to me, like, what's... What's more normal in different spaces is just completely yeah, yeah. unheard of in others. Yeah, for sure. And then yeah, and then you get the, the guys on that side of the world, that side of the kind of JavaScript world who kind of see all the framework stuff and that stuff is like too much to worry about, and they complain about like CSS. Oh God, CSS, that's a yeah. nightmare. And they're doing this like yeah, I, I think it might have been. I think it might. There's a guy called IQ. I won't try and pronounce his name. It's Inigo something. Inigo Kiles, I think it is. I did try and pronounce it. I got it wrong. But I, I'm pretty sure he's a guy that runs a website called Shader Toy, which is uh, like really big, famous website for this in this kind of world of uh, visual arts. And you often, you sometimes see him tweeting about like complaining about really basic HTML and CSS stuff when he's like an absolute genius in his own <laughs> yeah. world. Like I watch his like videos and his like things he writes about, and it's just like. He's like really like really like genius level kind of guy, like high end maths kind of really crazy stuff. But he's like you often find people like that complaining about what I see as really simple stuff, which I kind of like started with, which is like HTML and CSS. That's really how I started with web development. And I see that as like the real basic kind of easy stuff. But some people they see that as the hard annoying stuff, which I can kind of understand now. Uh, the more you kind of learn about everything. That yeah. It seems like there's a spectrum of like, if the basics are really, really easy for you, like the more conceptual stuff is hard. If the conceptual stuff is easy, mm. then some of the basics are really hard of like 
Yeah. So, so remembering to is it a div or a span or like yeah. is it a float or a flex or whatever the heck? Hey, don't don't use floats anymore. No, <laughs> no we're not allowed floats. to do that, right? Floats are They're banned, aren't they? <laughs> so speaking of things that feel really hard, I want to talk about uh, like WebGL and uh-huh. like yeah. 3JS because this is an area that I've I've never really put any serious time into, but it always just seemed really hard for me. So. I was okay. wondering if you could, because you mentioned that you started with like Canvas and such as sort of as well. I'm wondering if you could talk about like how you're using Web uh, WebGL uh, 3JS yeah. and sort of like any recommendations you might have for people to, to like start using it, tinkering with it, that sort of thing as well. Yeah, that's a that's really, really good question. And I don't think there's an easy answer to this one. Uh, Canvas is really is really good place to start, I think, because you're sort of, you know, just to draw a circle on the screen is fairly simple. To draw a square on the screen is definitely very, very easy. And then you just need to get your head around this whole idea of like a game loop or like a loop where you're kind of clearing the frame every frame and you're drawing again and you're clearing and then you're drawing. It's very different from the flash days. See, this is the, yeah. you came from a flash background. It's, it's not like Timeline. things stay in. Yeah, no, there's no, well, obviously no timeline, <laughs> but also like with Flash, it was all kind of like you make a sprite and it stays there and then you can layer over. Whereas with Canvas and essentially with WebGL as well, you're drawing the frame every time. And then for the most part, not there are more advanced methods, but for the most part, you're clearing the entire frame and you're drawing the next frame. And you're doing that 60 times a second. And all your computation is happening in those 16 milliseconds. But yeah, Canvas is a really good place to start. I'm sure if you look and Google, there's probably some nice up-to-date tutorials on there. I probably couldn't recommend any on the top of my head right now, but you know, just get a ball, just get a circle moving across the screen and then and then learn about how to make that circle move in a circular motion. And that's when you start getting into some sort of mathematics because you need to revisit the sine and the cosine functions and make it do this. And you start by making it go up and down by like changing the y-axis and putting that using a sine wave to go up and down. And then you can make it go left or right using the sine wave. But if you use a sine wave to do one and a cosine to do the other, it will go circular. I think that's the anyway, thing that kind of starts to scare people is like, oh, crap, I have to use math for this. You do a bit. You do a bit. And I think it's the funnest part of math, like a real maths. Uh, I think it's a, the funnest <laughs> part of... Uh, yeah, you got me there. Uh, I think it's the, the funnest part, to be honest, like doing all this kind of visual, like trigonometry, geometry, all that kind of stuff. It really, it's really thrilling to me, like uh, all that kind of stuff. It is a bit, it is a bit difficult, but it's really fun because the output is like, you're seeing things on the screen at the end of it, you know? Yeah. It's not like hardcore coding where at the end of it, your database is transformed to slightly different <laughs> data structure or something like this, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like really, really rewarding, like super high levels of dopamine when you <laughs> finally get that thing to work, you know, like, yeah. and at That's- first it's just... You're gone. That's how I um, started to learn a little bit of math or maths. I forgot Europe has many maths. <laughs> we just have one math over in the States. So, yeah. But yeah, it was like uh, doing Pavre, persistence of vision ray tracing back in the. Oh, it wow. was literally the 90s. And this is before any is of the. Pavre? What? Pavre, yeah. This is, oh, this is old. POV. Old stuff. Point of like yeah, well, that, I mean, there's. So what were you going? Tell me what did you what did you make? I just like I drew some like random like three D shapes on screen, Mm -hmm. but just trying to trying to make cool stuff was like it was all just code. There was no editor. It was all just like Notepad.exe or whatever. Yeah, nice. And 
just to see what you could get because this was when the web sucked and this was this was cool and like well let me mess with that and it was free and i was poor so that works <laughs> no i think it's funny the way you guys are presenting it because it makes sense because thinking about the way people typically work trigonometry learn trigonometry it's yeah. the most boring way possible yeah yeah right? you're yeah, reading totally, some textbook totally. and you have something there's no immediate feedback other than if you like no. the answer section of your your book right and like there's there's no fulfilling feedback loop whereas if i can get a ball to move around the screen the way i want it to like there first of all i know it instantly and second of mm -hmm. all like it it like that that loop sort of i can help you cement like oh i have a practical thing to do with this rather than yeah like, totally because yeah. like i i learned trigonometry i probably got an a in my trigonometry class but i can't tell you off the top of my head i can't think of a single time i've used trig in my life <laughs> right like it, it's, it <laughs> yeah, just doesn't yeah. come up and so it makes it hard to be motivated to learn these things when you you don't even know what the purpose of them is yeah totally yeah and i i i actually kind of think about it now i'm, I'm desperate to learn more deeper mathematics now from all this like I, I i say i kind of think if i ever did go to university which i haven't done yet i probably would take on a really difficult mathematics course and try and do it and probably fail but kind of enjoy being really out of my depth and talk to some really interesting people who really know their stuff um, and yeah with a focus on this kind of visual element because obviously there are some areas of mathematics which will probably always be a little bit boring, you know, like statistics or something like that. I'm sure there are some really exciting parts of it, but it probably won't apply too much to this world that I'm in at the moment of making aliens fly around on projectors, you know, so. That sounds like a challenge. Kind of, How can I apply statistics yeah, maybe, to maybe, video? Maybe, maybe, but yeah, it's definitely opened that whole world up to me and I've kind of had to go back to school a little bit and learn some things. But yeah, the, the, it's not too bad. And, and, and again, when it comes, when you want to move move on to the next step or jump straight into 3D, then yeah, 3JS is a great play, place to start if you want to do WebGL for sure. If you want it to work on the web, then yeah, uh, check, check out their website. They're, they're, they've got, the documentation's pretty decent and they've got a really good intro. In their documentation, they've got like a make your first scene. And it's like, that's, it's basically that spinning cube. It's just a cube and you can get it to spin. And it kind of, it's like however many, it's not many, too many lines of code and it, it, the tutorial just explains every line of code for you. And that's a great place to start. I mean, what I would say about 3GS and what I've learned and I'm still learning as I go is, it is somewhat aimed at people who have some understanding of the kind of OpenGL graphics pipeline, which I didn't at the time and I still don't have a very good knowledge of, but it, the further you go with it and the more you want to do with it, because you can do a lot and then it's quite low level in many ways. It's, it's kind of, it's not really a framework. It's a library. It's a library to help you do WebGL stuff. It doesn't give you much for free. It makes things much easier than if you were just writing out pure WebGL. But there are certain kind of cool tricks that you, for instance, like if you compare it to a game engine like Unity or something like this. I mean, I've, I've never really played around too much of Unity, but I've watched enough videos and seen enough sort of resources on it. There are certain things you can do there which are kind of there for free, like kind of cool post-processing effects, kind of cool stuff like that, which you can kind of do relatively straightforward. But with 3GS, you're kind of expected to have a slightly deeper understanding, which in some ways is really hard, but in other ways you come away having learned a lot more and having a much, much deeper knowledge of the whole topic. And I'm kind of thankful for that. that it's, 
like there are times where you're pulling your hair up because you're like, oh, this should be easy, but it's not. But you, you it means you have to dig a bit deeper, and then yeah. you come out the other side like with a bit more experience. And, if it was easy, it wouldn't be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, so yeah. <laughs> but that's the, that's the one thing. Going back to the app, uh, Hedron. That's the one thing that Hedron does for you in the sense that it takes away some of that stuff. You're not having to reinvent the wheel. So all the MIDI stuff is handled for you. You don't have to look at the MIDI API. It's just going to work. Audio analysis is done for you. You don't have to look at the web audio API. Oh, that's huge. It's just going to work. Yeah. And then as well as that, there's certain like, for instance, you can like crossfade, crossfade between scenes inside of Hedron. And you don't have to well learn how to do that with 3JS. You can just make a sketch, put it in a scene, make another sketch, put it in another scene, and then you can crossfade between the two scenes. And some other stuff like recently in the last version, I've added like post-processing effects. So you still have to write the code for the post-processing effect. But in order, so for, just to explain what that is, like if I wanted to do some kind of cool glitch effect at the top, or if I wanted to blur the screen, or if I wanted to change the colors, it's called like screen space effects. So rather than like changing something inside the 3D scene, like a spaceship flying across or your cube spinning around, you, 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 it's the pixels. It's the pixels you're affecting. It's like the final stage, the final stage of the render. So you know, the simplest example is like brightness and contrast, sort of like Photoshop effects. You know, uh, which is really useful for live stuff to just be able to boost up, like change different colors and stuff. Like it's an extra kind of level of performance you can do as well as the stuff in the scene. It's like the stuff on the screen. Um, and that's new to Hedron. And again, like I said, you still have to write the code to make the effects, but you don't have to worry about how it's going to get into that pipeline and all the kind of like nitty gritty last parts. It's just like make your effect, put it in and then Hedron will pull it in and do what it needs to do with it. So, Have you thought about learning to do native iOS development? Are you using Swift at work? Or maybe you've considered writing applications for Mac OS. We have a podcast that covers all of that called iFreaks. We have a new panel and a lot of exciting things to talk about. So come check us out at iFreaksShow.com. The sketch code is just totally focused on the things that are unique to whatever thing you're trying to create. And Hedron handles all of the basics of how to transform the data and then what the heck to do with your sketch after it's... Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it deals with, like I said earlier, like sticking it up on a projector screen. Like Hedron will show you which screens are available to you. You just choose the screen and say, I want it to go to that screen. And then it just plonks it up there, full screens it for you all that kind of stuff. And, and another good example of, is something like, called macros, where let's say you've got like 10 parameters, but you want them all to move at the same time for a certain... So for instance, there was one scene in the show, it's not really in it at the moment, I'll probably bring it back at some point, but like there's this big stormy kind of wave and like there's like dozens of parameters just for this kind of wave effect I've got going. But as well as that, like I've got a sky and I want the sky to get darker and like clouds to appear or whatever. And they're like dozens of parameters. And at one point... I was trying to do this live with like all these different parameters and I was trying to bring them all in. Uh, and it was like, okay, I need a feature to do this. So I, I introduced a feature called macros where you can kind of like assign a target value to a bunch of different values and they will have their own target value. And then you can interpolate like oh, all the values at the same time. So yeah, it's like, it's a lot more powerful that way. And this is the kind of, that's another good example of the kind of things you can do with Edron that's, that makes your life a lot easier. Okay, I'm just trying to like process what that would be. So you could set up like, two completely different configurations for like 2,700 different knobs. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. Ass- assign like a, a smooth transition between the two, but then assign the transition between the two to like the base 
of the music that's yeah, playing yeah, exactly. right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or like a, or like a button, just it just does it in one go or like animates it for you. Because that's the other thing it can do. It can animate values for you. So you can like trigger an animation and it can last 10 seconds or one second or however long you want it to. And like, and you can have like a, you can define the curve shape as well. I don't know if you know about these kind of tweening kind of shapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like CSS tweens, curve shapes and stuff. So it's that kind of thing. But yeah, that, that's like a macro. So it's like a macro. It does like a bunch of different stuff all at the same time for you. Uh, it's super useful. Uh, and yeah, use that a lot. Like, it's a, it's a really good way to work in Hedron. You just like define a bunch of macros and then you assign those macros to what you want to assign them to. And it, you can, you know, you can edit a macro. Yeah, it's just like a... Yeah, it's, it's quite nice. It still needs a few little features. Uh, like, if you looked on the GitHub issues list, you'd see a bunch of stuff related to macros that need fixing. But uh, yeah, it definitely works and it does it. It really helps. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, audio analysis a couple times too. Mm-hmm. I don't think we really dove into yeah. that. So when you say okay. that, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to process this in my mind. Does that mean like Hedron is actually like listening to your audio and giving you like some basically i don't really understand how that works okay <laughs> curious yeah. to explain yeah, what's, so it's, what's, what it's doing yeah so it's taking it's taking like it's taking audio in so that could just be from your microphone if you're doing a show it's going to make more sense to get it like lined in from the musician's instruments or from the mixing desk or something and then yeah it's splitting up that so like any at any one time the sound is a bunch of frequencies like a big frequency spectrum You've got like low ends, mids and highs. And what Hedron does to make it simple for you is it splits up that, those frequencies into four sections. So it's like low, low, mid, mid and high. So it's like four bands. And it like averages out those frequencies and then it turns that into like a simple value between one and zero. So you, you know like uh, old school like visualizers that will have like all those bars moving when the music's playing, like might be in yeah, small yeah, yeah. stereo system or like Winamp or whatever. It's basically doing that. It's only doing it to four bands of frequency. And then with those four bands, you can then choose. So, you, you know, you've got your macro, you've got your little um, parameter that you want to, to, to do its thing. And yeah, you, you assign, you choose which parameter, I'm sorry, you, you choose which frequency band you want to assign to that parameter. And then when the audio is playing, like let's say it's the bass or, or it's the, the highs, you know, you're then that, that's going to react. It's going to go up and down to those values. I mean, it's not it's not perfect because splitting out a whole song like that, um, it, it's always going to have some interference. So you would it would be amazing if it just went to the bass like bam bam bam. But like if there's something on top, then it's going to get some noise, right? And there's all sorts of things you can do in Hedron. Like there's all sorts of tweaks you can do. Like you can play around with different like cutoffs and stuff to kind of get it closer. Uh, funnily enough, like it's something I used a lot when I first started, but nowadays I'm using mostly doing it completely live myself, just jamming like with my fingers because mm, it's yeah. a cleaner way of doing things. Uh, it's better for like textual stuff. So like if you've got like some big sweep, like or some like kind of chattery kind of noise, then that's going to represent quite well on the screen, and it you know it can it, it looks quite nice. But if you're trying to get it like like right on the beat, then the best option, and here's another thing that Hedron does, is it um, it works with, so here's another concept for you, a MIDI clock. So it's using the MIDI protocol, but it's a pulse that's sent 24 times per beat. And using that pulse, you can then generate a speed. So traditionally, this is used for all your instruments to be on the same speed together, because they might, might be sequences running like, 
different tracks. It might be some like arpeggio on a synthesizer that's kind of going, but they all need to be in time, right? So they're all working in time to this pulse that's sent from the master clock. And that's like sent out, yeah, using, I think it's 24 pulses. It's 24 PPQN, I think it's pulses per quarter note, which is like one beat, you know, like just one beat. I think a quarter note is like one beat for the bar if you're using four four time. So like, let's say you're doing like a, a like standard techno track that's four to the floor. It's just boom, 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 every bar. You can, in Hedron, you can have the clock coming in and this is what I'm using mostly. And then you can set like a sine wave or a square wave to that beat and you can do it to divisions of that beat. So this is a big thing I'm using. So it's like, if, if, the, if, the, if the guys I'm working with, they like change the speed, then everything in Hedron is going to speed up with it. If it's all like assigned to this kind of more tempo-based approach of doing things. So that's another way of doing it. Rather than listening to audio, you're using this pulse that's coming in, providing your musician has this feature, you know. I think some like CDJs, so like some DJs could even send a, a MIDI clock out of there. Like if they had like more modern CDJs and they could do it too, so... Yeah, so that's another way. Or you can, or, or if you don't have that, you can tap tempo. So this is a quite old school VJ feature, which is like a VJ who might be performing at a club. They might not have MIDI clock coming in. They probably don't have MIDI clock coming in from the performer on stage, but they can tap their finger, like press a button and keep tapping. And eventually like they'll have it synced up and it will take a good guess. So it, like Hedron does it, lots of apps do this. They take a good guess when you've been tapping like, okay, that's probably 120 BPM that you've tapped there. And then, you're, then you've then got this internal clock in Hedron that runs. And then you can kind of set sine waves to that clock or square waves to that clock and kind of like have things coming in and out. And it's a bit more of a rigid structure. So it's more like, uh, as opposed to using audio, which is quite messy, it's like a, hard, like a more clean way of doing things. Some algorithm for that? Is there something like built into maybe like the web audio sort of spec that makes that happen? Because that seems um, like that's not the easiest thing. Like... I, like raw it's coding not it's not, seems like that would be difficult. No, not really. You're just listening to however many clicks in the space of a certain like period of time. And then you just do the right division to get that as a, as a beats per minute kind of thing. And then, yeah. And then you're then, then you're using that to control sine waves, which, so that's like the, the wave speed or the, yeah, the kind of, uh, yeah, the, the width of the sine wave. How does that, so are you using the web audio API to actually like bring in the audio? Like what is sort of your input for code? Like what does the API sort of give you to work with? Yeah, yeah. So the API is, the web audio API is used to make sounds and listen to sounds and analyze sounds. So it, it basically, you know, I can't remember what the command is, but it, it's like you can just get all devices. So like pick up every microphone, every speaker, whatever. But by default, it will know which microphone you want and just pick the microphone. And then you kind of create an audio context. And then it's like listening to that audio. And then I can't quite remember how to do it. But yeah, you're basically using the web audio API to take in those frequencies, do a bunch of stuff to it. And I think you're even using it to split up the frequencies. I can't quite remember. It's something I did a long time ago and I didn't quite understand what I was doing, but it worked. <laughs> uh, and this is, again, it kind of goes back to, it kind of goes back to the, the reason I made this tool is I don't have to do that again now. It's working. And uh, some other people, some other contributors looked at it and were like, oh, I want this to be a bit better, a bit more advanced. Because I'd stopped using it by this point because I was using MIDI clock stuff instead. I've got this other contributor who much prefers to use audio for his input. So he's done a bunch of stuff. 
to improve it. So that part of the code is not so familiar to me anymore, but it works and it's nice. And he's added some extra kind of functionality to allow you to do extra tweaks and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's the web audio API, but it's, I'm, I'm, I'm most famously used for like making sounds, I think as well. So like you, you, it's, it's, it's quite a diverse thing. But that's interesting. How did you get, how did the project get popular enough that you started getting con- significant contributions from other people? How did you get it out there? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, to be honest, it's not uh, like uh, I'm making it sound like it's super like popular and there's lots of contributors, but we really only have like one other main contributor. His name's Kale Bradbury. Hey, Kale. Uh, he's really great. He's, he's also a really awesome visual artist and, and a great musician as well. And he found out about, the, I think he found out about the Polyop project first, so the audio visual app we're in through Twitter. So we've got fairly big Twitter following on there. And then found out about Hadron and started using it and, that, and then started making changes to it. I was like, oh, cool, there's someone else with this. And he's kind of like, uh, I'm quite in, in regular contact with him and we've we kind of like, we have lots of plans for the project. There's a few other people that have like dropped in and like made their changes and left. But yeah, like there's kind of two, two main contributors, myself and Kale. Yeah, so it's not, I wouldn't say it's like mad popular and I've got loads of uh, people I'm having to deal with and stuff. I wish I was, to be honest. It, I think it, it will. I think it will get more popularity, and, and I, we we have more plans to kind of get it out there because it's, it's actually under the. We're kind of using it under the name. So as part of the audio visual actum, in we kind of created a record label based around that, just to kind of collaborate with other artists, and we've kind of put Hedron underneath that record label name. So it's kind of like the software is like run by the record label in a weird kind of way. It's open source. It's not owned by anyone really. Like it's free to use, but. We kind of fly it under that flag of uh, the record labels called Nudie Branch Records. So that's kind of another way we're kind of getting out there. And every time, yeah, like a few music videos, like made a few music videos using it and stuff like that. For other artists too as well. But yeah, it's kind of getting, kind of through doing gigs and through Twitter and all that kind of stuff is how it's, how it's got a little bit, a little bit of a name for itself. So bringing it back to React, have you seen the, the React 3 Fiber uh, library? Yeah, yeah. Have you yeah, played with it at all? Not really, although I've played a little bit with A-Frame, which is a kind of similar concept because it's using, like, um, it's declarative. It's using sort of these DOM nodes. I find it really weird, to be honest. Like, when I first saw it, I thought, like, why, no, what is this? No. And now I kind of, like, I'm not really too much into declarative programming. I'm more of an imperative kind of person. I... I think it's, I mean, I know React is all declarative, so I guess I do like it in some degree, but for this kind of stuff, it, it definitely takes, I think I'd really have to reconfigure my, my brain to like really get my head around it. But yeah, it's great. I mean, it's great to see like just more and more ways to do this stuff. I do think that perhaps this is a really great way to get started if you already know React, but like, like one of the one of my main criticisms of the kind of React ecosystem, and it applies to this as well, is that a lot of people are coming in and they're jumping in straight to React, which is great. You know, that's a great way to get into the industry. But a lot of people then don't really know JavaScript. They don't yeah. really know the fundamentals. They, and I'm sure you've talked about this a million times over, but I think this is going to apply to the React 3.js fiber stuff. They, and, and, and that's cool. It's like I started with jQuery, right? It's a similar kind of thing. Like I didn't really know JavaScript. I just knew this weird version of it with jQuery. And it's kind of the same with React. And I think it's a great place to start because, you know, it makes it easier, right? But I'd like to see people who've done that understand what's actually going on underneath. And you can make the same thing using just vanilla JavaScript. You don't need to have React running or any of that kind of, all that whole ecosystem. 
you know, you can still run this just, you can still run 3JS stuff without even a web server. You can just run a JavaScript file, open the HTML file up your, and it will just work, you know. So, like, it's, it's really great, and I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying that uh, anyone who's using it, maybe take a moment to see if you can do the same thing just using raw JavaScript. Maybe you won't like it. Maybe you want to go back yeah. to the declarative approach, but you'll probably learn something and you'll learn what's going on underneath. So there's, there's my comment on that. I totally agree. I, I think there's a, a lot of people who learn how to use a tool but don't know how to how the tool was built. So when the tool doesn't do what they want, they don't know what to yeah. do. They're, they're stuck. They're, they're totally, looking for totally. a different tool. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 that's one of the problems with React, I guess, is that what's going on underneath is quite complicated. I like, I don't really know the real depths of it. You know, I mean, that, that was not, one of the nice things about jQuery is if you actually dig into that code, it's quite straightforward, really. It's just, you know, it's just kind of it's quite a one-to-one -one translation of what you want to do into the more like native APIs. Whereas React is this whole system that's running and it's great it's yeah. great and I, I think it's still a i think it's still a useful tool but um it, it's a lot of magic there and i think there's it's creating a whole new ecosphere of developers who kind of come back with blank stares when you're talking about other stuff that shouldn't be so hard or shouldn't be so scary and i'm, I'm i feel quite lucky that i've come in when i started making websites which was like i don't know like 15 years ago now, like longer, like, I, yeah, like I was probably doing it when I was like 12 years old, making flash animations and making a website for it. And, and I'm really glad. I mean, obviously it was hard and crap and weird time to be making websites, but also it's nice to have come from there and have this slight foundation. And now React is this shiny tool that I can use as opposed to all I know. Yeah. How about, uh, so for Hedron, I'm curious, what are your sort of future plans for it? Where do you see it um, going? Mm -hmm. Do you have any features or, or things you're looking at? Yeah, yeah, big big plans, actually. I mean, I haven't worked on it in a while because, funnily enough, it's primarily a show for doing live, an app, sorry, a piece of software for doing live shows with in front <laughs> of an audience. And most of the time I end up putting new features in is desperately before a show because I really want that new feature for the show. Um, <laughs> we did do like a Zoom gig using Hedron, which worked really well. It's really nice. Um, but I haven't done too much gigs, too many gigs recently. Uh, but yeah, there are lots of plans. So... Uh, like I said, we got the post-processing in. I think there's a few more tweaks to that to make it a bit more usable, a bit more, a bit more friendly for different types of users. But the next big thing that I really want to get in is um, uh, like a scene graph. So like, uh, I don't know, for Blender users out there, they'll kind of know what that means. It's like a, a hierarchy of what's in the scene and being able to move things around and then being able to actually like add something to the scene and actually change its position inside Hedron. Like kind of have a bit more of a kind of editor feel to it to be able to do some stuff, which up until now you probably have to kind of code it. Whereas it'd be kind of nice to have some of that stuff. You know, you could position a whole scene out, you could add objects and like create a whole like little scene, you know, put your trees down, put your mountains down, have your clouds in the sky. And like these could be assets you're pulling in and you're placing them all. And then still having scripts to do all the kind of cool stuff, but kind of have it start, make it head a bit more towards a kind of uh, a bit more GUI based to allow for a little bit more time away from coding. Coding is great and I, I think it's a really, really good way to do creative stuff. But there are certain things like just the position of something or the color of something where you'd rather be using sliders and drag and drop for that as opposed to constantly changing values. And again, you can do all those things inside each one at the moment, but it's quite hard to explain until you've used the software, but there's this kind of next level that I could take it to. 
And it's, yeah, it involves a scene graph. It involves maybe like sketches inside sketches, kind of recurring stuff. And uh, like, and, and, and the other big one is like an asset library. So at the moment, there's no real easy way to kind of have all your, like, if you did want to pull in like models, there's no like central place for that. They have to be kind of defined in each sketch. And, you know, like you might want textures that you want to reuse or change. So you can't at the moment change a texture as a parameter. It has to be hard coded into the sketch. But it would be really nice to say, I want this to be a texture, but the user chooses the texture using Hedron and it applies it to whatever you want it to apply it to. So there's like a lot of stuff around assets that, um, that is quite naive at the moment. Uh, so yeah, they're the kind of places we're heading with it. But that's quite big features, actually. You can look on the, the issues list. It's mostly me putting them in. I think we've got like over 100 at the moment and they're all like quite big things that they're doing. So if anyone wants to jump in, uh, yeah, we're totally open to more 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 help on the project. It's good fun. And I guess at this point, is there anything else that we haven't talked about with Tijan that you think we you, you want our audience to know about uh, that you want to chat about? Uh, I don't know, really. I don't think so. I mean, just check out the GitHub page. I'm sure there'll be a link to it and for the podcast. Or just type, or just Google like Hedron app. There is like some other library out there called Hedron, but you'll know when you see it. It'll be like a big, <laughs> big crazy GIF on the on the main page and on the Hedron homepage for GitHub. Yeah, there's like there's, it's quite got a lot of good stuff. You can see like if you're interested in what it can do, like I've, I've made some I've put some examples on there of like various people that are using it. So not just me, there's like two other musicians on there that have um, used it for their projects. And so it's quite nice to see that. I'd recommend doing that first to kind of see what can be done with it because you'd be, you'd be surprised what you can do with WebGL these days. It's quite nice. I actually just made the connection between Hedron and like the geometric term. Like, I don't know why yes. I didn't. I, like, yeah. I feel like an idiot now, but like it just clicked in my brain of like, oh, like... It's actually yeah, a tetrahedron. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't think you should feel like an idiot. I don't think many people would know what a tetrahedron is. I'm yeah. a big fan. Of, basically, I'm a huge fan of the platonic solids. Uh, if you don't know what those are, then look them up. It's a wonderful, <laughs> magical place. Uh, and so, yeah, hedron seemed like a natural name. And also, the, the act I mean is polyop. And so, it's like polyhedron. There's kind of something in there. So, it's like the sister, it's like the sister piece of software to the act because uh, it's kind of what it was made for. Um, but yeah, the logo was actually made by that other contributor, Kale Bradbury. So uh, yeah, he did a great job of that. I was a bit tentative to let him do it because I was like, oh, it's my baby, I want to make the logo. And then he, he sort of slightly sent me an image of the little logo he'd made. And I'm like, oh man, that's great. You can have it, it's fine. So yeah. When I first started taking computer science classes in college, I thought programming was just a joke. In fact, I changed my major over to engineering and started doing computer engineering and chip design. Then I found Ruby and I fell in love. I love Ruby. It was my first real programming language where I dove deep and really learned how to make software that makes a difference for other people. Since then, and the way that we got started with devchat.tv, we started a show called Ruby Rogues. It's currently in the 400s of episodes. We've talked to hundreds of people in the Ruby community about the Ruby community, about the Ruby programming language, about Rails, and about what makes good programming. So if you're interested in Ruby Rogues or you just want to hear a long series of experienced programmers talking about real problems, then go check out rubyrogues.com. All right. So with that, why don't we move into our picks? Thomas, you want to kick us off? Uh, sure. I've been, I guess my top pick lately would be Rome Research. I know I've picked that before. I'm, I'm using that a lot to kind of reinvent the way that I do everything. Just kind of like, uh, if you've never used it before, you, you start off with just like, it's a blank note for today. 
you can just take notes or just like think about stuff. And anytime you have a, a branching thought, you can just like um, wrap something around with square brackets and you get an, a whole new note that's like linked to the other note and every note has like backlinks to every other note. And it's like, it's a way to, to think in a, in a disorganized way without losing the intrinsic organization of your thoughts. That's kind of hard to describe, but <laughs> you got to play with it. It's like, what if you could write Wikipedia as quickly as you could think? And so I'm kind of trying to like reinvent the way that I like run my life using that. A combination of that and like physical whiteboards like screwed into the wall next to me just so to have that extreme contrast of very, very literal blocky reality and very, very flowy unhinged possibilities and kind of betwixt the two, I am more productive. <laughs> Cool. Does that like create like a note graph at the end? You kind of like. Yes, exactly. I think you'd like it. Yeah, it sounds cool. What's it called? Rome Rome Research. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll drop the link and thing. Cool, cool, sweet. My pick for this week is Stratechery, which is it's like a paid subscription blog run by a guy called Ben Thompson, and it's I found it. uh, I actually first got subscribed with it, just recommended by some coworkers, and. I've been reading it for now, like probably a good month or two, and I've found it super useful. It's He covers just general tech stuff, but kind of from like a business and sometimes even political perspective. So I just find it sort of a, a interesting take and just a fun way of keeping up with uh, just sort of general tech news because I find that my day-to-day, I somewhat keep up with like at the JavaScript framework level, but not like the latest, latest going ons of Apple, Google, Amazon, that sort of thing. So I found it useful for that. And it's a, it's a paid subscription, but he puts uh, free articles up there from time to time so you can get a sense of his writing style and what you think. So that's my pick. Uh, Alex, how about you? What picks do you have? I didn't know, didn't know about this whole pick thing. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I could... Uh, I, I mean, I don't no know. Worries. I don't know. I've got, I got one off the top of my head. I don't, you've probably already mentioned it in previous, previous episodes, but it's Dan Abramov's Just JavaScript. Do you know about this guy? Of course. Oh, you know about Dan Abramov. It's, it's really nice. Uh, 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 in email form, just um, the fundamentals of JavaScript, which kind of goes back to that whole thing I was talking about earlier. Um, but it's really like quite, I'd say like low level in the sense that it's really like making you rethink about the, the whole language itself. And try, so he's trying to try, change your mental model of JavaScript in case you've got any holes in it. Um, and each episode has been really, really interesting. And it's just it's sort of an email thing. You just put your email in and it'll send you the emails and they just come in, read through them, and uh, there's a form at the end to give them feedback. Probably already talked about it, but yeah, that's the one off the top of my head. Yeah, I had not heard of this, so I'm definitely going to check uh, it out. Yeah, okay. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's really, it's really nice. It's, uh, it's not finished yet either, so you're, you're sort of still like getting each episode and, and even each episode he sends over it's all in text but it might it might change this is kind of it's free at the moment because he's he's using the feedback from all the users as a kind of way to improve it very cool so alex one last thing if people want to follow along uh, you keep track of the latest yeah. going ons what you're doing uh, where's the best place for that uh, well you can follow me on twitter uh, at fun triangles you can also follow the band i'm into the polyop group that's at polyop uk and they're on Instagram as well. Um, and then, yeah, again, going going over to just give us a star on GitHub, I guess. Uh, so it's, the, it's Hedron. I, I, I would give the URL, but it's quite long um, because it's got the record label name in it. So uh, there'll be a link to it. But that's probably the best place to start. 
yeah, my, all my details are on that um, GitHub page as well. So it's the best place. Awesome. Well, definitely an awesome conversation. I know I really enjoyed it. I learned some things that I didn't know before. So just one last time, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was loads of fun. Really great. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.